Welcome to week two of the Game Theory and Money podcast. We did the big rollout introduction for season two last week, mentioning Cynthia's big brain, which is behind this monster, and our apologies if it went a little lengthy last week. We were just darn excited to be back. Week one, the 2018 season got underway, so we'll try to keep it tight, concise, get you what you need to prepare you for week two in the NFL. Cynthia, of course, uh, multiple degrees in predictive analytics, mostly from that glorious campus on the banks of Lake Michigan, in Evanston, Illinois, Northwestern University, a fine higher educational institution. And she runs her simulations, 10,000 of them. They are specific to her. So you are only going to get this type of analysis right here on this Game Theory and Money podcast. How did that do last week, Cynthia? I know you don't like to brag. Uh, you don't like to puff your chest out. But, hey, when you uh, post this kind of number, why not, do a little, uh, why not do a little of this yourself? 13 games were picked correctly. Yeah, 13 games. And that means correctly. I'm going to get totally like it's going to be like two. But you know what? 13, we're oh, going to go with that. <laughs> Law of averages, right? Exactly. However, your averages tend to be a lot higher than most other people. And I do want to make a note for those of you that only listened to the podcast and didn't pay attention to Cynthia's Twitter feed. She did change her pick in the Charger Chief game after it was official that Joey Bosa would not be playing something was awfully wise of her because that was a dramatically different Charger defense uh, with only one dominant pass rusher as opposed to the pair. Uh, by the way, the other thing that I think certainly bears mentioning before we get underway with the week two, uh, we ask you for your confidence picks. At the end of the pod, we say, all right, give us your number one, number two, number three most confident picks, all three of those we're spot on. You mentioned Rams. Raiders would not be the shootout that a lot of people thought it would be. Uh, you said that the Vikings would win comfortably by at least a touchdown, and you also mentioned that there would be a lot of points in that Bills-Ravens game. Uh, little did we know that it would be a Conseco Brothers-like home run total uh, as far as the total went. whole lot of Ravens, whole little bit of Bills, but hey, uh, when you add them up, it comes out to a lot of points. Did I miss anything? Anything else you want to add that I might have overlooked here, Cynthia? I mean, the only thing that Come we on. overlooked was everybody getting this, the Saints wrong, right? Like Tampa right. Bay looked ridiculous. We weren't the only ones that got that wrong, but we were wrong. Absolutely. Come on. There's something else. What, what, what did else did I not mention? Oh. What else did I not mention that happened on this podcast last week? The only <laughs> drama seen in this podcast last week, Cynthia, was what? <laughs> what have I glossed over here? Come on. It's a pop quiz. I, mean, I am we picked three I'm putting apart. screws to you here, Cynthia. We, we what was it? We picked three differently. And, and what happened in those three games? It, I'm up three. So, you know, yeah, it, you for, for now at least. I disagreed with you on three games. And guess <laughs> which three games I was wrong on all of them. So that happened last week. Tired of being your punching bag. Let's just get to it already. All right, let's uh, start Chiefs at Steelers. And your score and why your score was spit out in the manner and with the number in which it was. So this one is another one that has a big asterisk on it. It could change, and we got to keep an eye on everything that's going on with the injury reports, etc. But as of right now, Pittsburgh 28, Kansas City 27, 51.2% confidence. This one is on upset alert. So what I want you to know is that since Andy Reid arrived in 2013, the teams have met five times, and you know how many points Kansas City has averaged in those games? 15.6. That is not a lot. That's going to be a much of what they put on the Chargers. Right. Exactly. 38 last week against the Chargers. So Pittsburgh's going to be a bigger test for Mahomes. And you know what? He's not going to stay 100% red zone touchdown rate and zero turnovers against. It's just, it's not going to, those are there. This is just such a small sample size. It's not going to, you know, keep that ridiculous pace. So this is going to be a much different, interesting challenge, especially because the Steelers defense had the most pressures in week one. And, you know, you didn't have Bosa last week, so we didn't really see Mahomes under pressure as much as we're going to. And I want everyone to note that number 98, Vince Williams, he seems to be adjusting. He seems to be their cheat code when it comes to how do you replace the Ryan Shazier factor. You don't ever replace him, but how do you make do without him? So that one's an interesting one for me. I would say just, you know, because it was the game, uh, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm making excuses uh, because I kind of, I didn't kind of, I scoffed at your Kansas City pick. Uh, defensively, they are what I thought they were, a complete mess. Uh, the Chargers dropped two touchdown passes. Phillips should have had 500 yards passing and five touchdowns. Uh, and obviously well, they, they scored. Yeah, the, they dropped the most passes. In fact, I tracked yeah. Philip Rivers, and he was really on target, and his receiver screwed him. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> one way to put it. I wouldn't uh, word it that way. But um, the other thing is, remember, uh, 14 of their points came from special teams gaffes. Uh, 91-yard punt return from Tyree Kill. And then, of course, uh, J.J. Jones fumbling the ball. They gave him a first and goal at the three. So I think before people get too excited uh, about the Chiefs, just, you know, it's one thing to look at the score. It's one thing to kind of look at the game script and see how that one played out. I guess what I'm getting at is I'd like to see a little bit more from the Chiefs offensively just because of the the circumstance of those two special team scores and defensively I think if they're gonna get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl they gotta figure something out in that secondary because man Orlando Skandrick and Ron Parker and that whole I mean Fuller was solid but the Fuller rest was of the secondary good. actually yeah, I'm gonna, was I'm gonna go to bat for disaster. Fuller here but you can't yeah. only have one you have to have balance yeah. all throughout the secondary you can't just have one the one thing I want to know is that they weren't afraid to switch up so tracking Andy Reid's been fine because you know what you got a lot of data on what Andy Reid's tendencies are and he did go against his tendencies he was more like last year where we saw a mix of deep passes and risk taking and not just shorter passes and we did see shorter passes but not just those shorter passes we got everything going there yeah the one thing also that I'll point out for the the celebration of Pat Mahomes and his his touchdowns hey man I, I want to give the guy all the credit in the world man is Andy Reid special it is just yes Andy Reid gets to the play he gets to the playoffs yeah it is uh it is just the it seemed like Pat Mahomes was never passing into danger. No. Uh, there were short passes. They were easy, high-confidence passes. I mean, Derwin James looked great, and Casey Hayward yeah. looked great, and he still looked like he wasn't passing into danger very often. And both of those defensive backs are 33. That's Derwin James. He's going to be special. He already is yeah. in one game, but, you know, he's going to be special, and Casey Hayward already is. So, But Anyways. that, uh, you know, and, and, and actually, just, just to put a wrap on it, the one yep. thing about the Chiefs that, A, nobody else has Tyreek Hill, but, B, you knew the Chargers were selling out to stop Kareem Hunt, who right. hung 330 yards on him last year. And look what happens when you do that. When you sell out to stop Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, one misstep, and he is gone. And that's what makes them so dangerous. And Sammy and truly, Watkins I think, was used in a lot of different ways, too. So that was yeah, a, you know, I mean, an interesting He was blocking fold. a lot. He was holding and tackling maybe the day. <laughs> All, right. All right, we can move on. I'm done. Who are you picking? You, got, you can pick this one. Chiefs, Steelers, who are you picking? I'm going to take the Steelers. Okay. I just think, to me, I think it's it's set for a uh, correction. Yeah. And the only thing I guess I would caution against quickly for the Steelers is just kind of the emotional emotional effort of of James Conner and whether or not that maybe gets corrected. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Nobody in the league is Le'Veon Bell. So to think that he can keep up the sort of pace that replaced the production of what Le'Veon Bell would typically give you, I think we'll see a correction there. But you know what? You know what does help replace Le'Veon Bell is how good Juju Schuster. That's what I was just about to say. Juju yeah. Smith Schuster. That was actually a really special addition. He's he's really this is a show out season for him. Yeah, I think for sure should be a great one. Hey, potential playoff preview. There's yep. your three P's. And on by that the one, way, Chief Steelers. Roethlisberger is QB two, and Mahomes is QB eleven because I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Okay. Got it. To the next Good. one. To the next Chargers one. Chargers at Bills. I'll be hopping a bird on Friday at 1 p.m., 3 p.m., I think, and I will make my way to Niagara Falls. Everybody get to LAX to mob Matt Money yeah. Smith, 3 p.m. Uh, private terminal. I love it. I don't, I don't oh, mingle private. with the riffraff. Okay. Come on. Okay. Well, I'm on the right. charter. I'm with the team. Okay, so in my second most sure projection for the week, I have the Chargers coming out on top 28-17. So I do want to say there's going to be a little bit of a quote. We talked about a correction before, a market correction for the Bills in that I don't think that they're going to be held to, you know, basically no points, a field goal. I think that we'll find a way to score with Josh Allen. It is not Nathan Peterman, Nathan Peterman revenge game. That would be funny, but it's not going to happen. So Rivers, with all of those wide receiver drops, I've been I had this new metric where I draw a halo with computer vision around a receiver, and then I see if the ball comes within three feet of that halo. Philip Rivers had he was like number six three or five. Yeah, three centimeters. He was number six in terms of most accurate for the week. But Brian Fitzpatrick beat him, of course. But you know, and but the drops really penalized the team. So that's an interesting one there. And I do want to give you know I love thirty three. Derwin James is great. I'm going to see him even more in this one, especially. I'm going to see what he does in the run game a little bit more on this one. So I'm going to be really excited to see that. And for me, Josh Allen first first career start. He's you know what's lucky for that. If Joey Bosa doesn't play, there is no Bosa. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I so I don't think it's play. a fish. Right? Is it official? It's not official, but, I mean, it's, yeah. it's basically heard it official. here first. Right. Bone so, bruise, he's, he's going to be Right. Out. Got it. I mean, look, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, I'm going to give you your shine there. I know you love them both in fantasy. I like all of that. It's going to be the kind of the exact opposite for the Bills for me. It's kind of like, you know, stay away from this whole offense, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think the one, just real quick before we move on from this one, um, the one thing that I think is going to be really cool is over overshadowed in the blowout loss for the Bills was how good Tremaine Edmonds was. Yes, that's, he was you know, we really always good. Yeah, how much Derwin James slipped to 17. Well, Tremaine Edmonds slipped to 16. Absolutely. He was projected to go in the top 10. I think he had a sack. He had three quarterback carries. He had a forced fumble. He had a pass tip that was nearly intercepted. I mean, he was impressive, and I those was, guys went back-to-back. Back I was mad Forrest Lamp wasn't playing because I wanted to see how he's looking, and I wanted to see that. I thought the Chargers O-line, I think that if they're all healthy, it's going to be great. It just seems like they can't all stay healthy at the same time. No, and Joe Barksdale went out. Although Sam Yeah, Tevi Joe Barksdale actually, was – Yeah, you can make a case that Sam Tevi played uh, pretty well in his uh, <laughs> Joe's absence. So <laughs> leave it at that. All right, we we'll both agree on that. Uh, Chargers big, but keep an eye on Tremaine Edmonds. Man, is he yeah, fun to watch. All right, absolutely. Texans – at Titans, sometimes okay. pronounced Titians. Titians. <laughs> the the battle of the ands. Ants. Tax versus <clears throat> Titans. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. That wasn't going to work out so well. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you got, Cynthia? <laughs> okay, so the quarterback is a big question for Tennessee for me. My model right now has – 52%, so 51.7%, Houston coming out on top, 23-21. This one's interesting. Marks Mariota, it doesn't seem like he's 100% even if he's going to be playing. I, I think that's fair right. from everything that we've read. To, so to me, because of that and based on everything, like look, the Titans play this super long game. I think it's like the longest one in NFL history. And we saw a lot of injuries. We saw a lot of questions. I don't know what we're getting from this Titans defense. So for me, this one has the potential for Deshaun Watson to like do look look like that rookie form we saw. Now, do I think he's going to have a 9% touchdown <laughs> rate? No, but I do think that because of the question marks all on both sides of t- the ball for Tennessee, I think this one, I think that the Texans come out on top. I hate to pick a winner in this because they're both Bill Belichick coaching tree head coaches. Well, listen, somebody's got to They win. all stink. So <laughs> uh, I guess forced to pick. It doesn't seem like the Titans are right. And you're hearing some things coming out of that game against Miami that that team just for again, it's hard. Like you said, it's the longest played game, the delays, but just there were some the whispers kind of coming out of there that things just might not be right down there and they got to sort some things out. So when you hear stuff like that, when you think about the talent that Deshaun Watson is, it's hard for me to believe he's going to look like that all season. I'm with you. The one thing I will say about the Titans is it looks like they certainly got their guy in Deion Lewis. I mean, he yeah. looks like the every there bit are positive the things back. here. Yeah, you so know, there certainly. are positive. It's not like we're, it's not gloom and doom. Corey ah, Davis is week. good. I mean, I know Delaney Walker's out, but that just means there's opportunity all across, right? Jonas Smith, Smith. Exactly. Yay. You have some opportunity here, but I do want to point out part of the reason that this is a strong one is because despite Houston's O line projecting to be number 32, that'd be the last in the league. In for the season, so that's projections based on preseason in one game, so it's not everything yet, but they do project to be pretty porous. The fact that the Titans just had two quarterback hits against Tannehill last week is good for the projection for Deshaun Watson. That's what drives a lot of this value. I'm with you. I would like to see Lamar Miller do a little something. We've been waiting for, I don't know, four years for him to uh, I know, I keep feeling live up like, to our excitement okay, surrounding yeah, okay. the fantasy, right? <laughs> exactly. Deshaun Watkins and New Hopkins are both number four at their posi- positions, by the way. Just if That's you a good thing. A fantasy note That's there. a good thing. All right, to the and Colts. I only do PPR projections because I don't know how to do other ones. <laughs> that works for me. Perfect. All the, all the leagues I'm in are PPR leagues. Me so too. So that works perfectly yeah, for exactly. me. Colts <laughs> at Redskins. Uh, Redskins, one of those teams Redskins I disagree get no with love. me on. Redskins are getting no love. I was saying they might be a surprise. You're absolutely right. And they don't get any love. So in in my model, in 63.9%, that's pretty. That's a pretty that's, tasty little the snack right there. Um, I have Washington coming out on top, 27-21. I do want to take note here about Florence and and her path, and this could impact this game. Right. It could have some some issues here. So keep an eye on the weather here. So there might not be as many points scored if it becomes really windy. Exactly anything that you could think of um but i actually think this is so funny and i you know i one of the things i love is like when numbers actually are lying to you and did you know that this game is actually the matchup of the league's number one third down offense versus the number the league's number one third down defense i would have never guessed that it's just one week and there was such a large sample size for us to lean on for us to, i mean i'm surprised we didn't lead with that at the top of this podcast seriously no third I, versus third yeah indianapolis was was number one in third down offense and the washington redskins were number one in third down defense 
Okay. By the way, that's not going to stay that way, but I think it's really funny. And I would have thought it was, if you would have asked me, I would have thought it was the other way too, but you know, (laughs) whatever. It's funny. This is why I spent my like summer retooling all the metrics to make sure it was like drive metrics and not like one data point like this anyways. So I thought it was funny. So the Colts defense gave Dalton's receivers a ton of space in week one and Smith has better accuracy ratings than Dalton over the past three seasons by almost 10%. Got it. Yeah, he's regularly overlooked, I, I would say. I've, um, I feel like I, I've been on him weird. for a while now. Yeah, it's weird that he is. But I, I think even though when we do celebrate him, it's like going into every season, He's. it's almost like he's got to reestablish himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like every single year, despite what we saw the year prior, Alex Smith is never – I mean, think about what – just the praise that was heaped upon Kirk Cousins and his arrival in Minnesota, yeah. how much he was going to upgrade that offense. And and I understand they lost Kirk Cousins in Washington, but it's not like they took that big of a step back. And I as actually, you mentioned, I don't think it's any different. Yeah, last week you said, you know, based on what your projection was in Arizona, that you thought they were going to win handily, and you were right about that. That offensive line, they're going to keep That's them upright. That's exactly what I was going to say. That O-line yeah. being healthy is a gigantic difference maker. I mean, look at the day that, that Adrian Peterson had. And that projects to continue, right? Look at look at the day Adrian Peterson had last week. Look at the way Alex Smith stood there. He had time. He was, I mean, every read he wanted to make was there for him. I'm into and it. By the way, Alex Smith about oh I don't know a thousand times more athletic than Kirk Cousins. So if he does have to move, I mean, it's hard to just because you know I did those Chiefs games last year and we did the one with Mahomes and I said, look, you know what's funny is for as spry and strong-armed as Pat Mahomes is, he's not the athlete that Alex Smith is. hes I don't think he's even close. I mean, people forget how good Alex Smith is on the move, and that's going to be a big boost for that Redskins offense. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you on this, and I do even I, – I want to say I would stream Alex Smith if he's available in your – if you need a quarterback. Again, weather-dependent, please take an asterisk there for the weather. And if you haven't picked up, you know – Adrian Peterson, that somebody should have done that in your league already. And then Washington's defense is actually streamable for me this week. That's right. Uh, we'll you put a me. button on this by reading the diary entry from Captain Andrew Luck. Oh, as perfect. it pertains to the Colts' travels <laughs> to Washington. <clears throat> Dearest mother, the men move out today to begin our march toward Washington to battle the well-established indigenous unit. World Travels, they have a particularly dangerous soldier who insists everyone know he was born in the year of our Lord, or simply A.D. Intriguing. Andrew. Okay. And with that, we move on. Uh, Eagles at <laughs> Buccaneers. A battle of two 1-0 teams. Thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Division leading. Division leaders. Sorry, Cynthia. Can't help myself. It's my favorite feed on Twitter. No, it's so good. It is it's my such a good favorite feed. Twitter feed. I have the Eagles coming out on And I have to read it in Shelby Foote's voice, the Civil War historian from the Ken Burns Civil War documentary. I just can't help myself. If I'm ever in a bad mood, we just call me and do that. Yeah, let me know. I'll read it for you. I'm not in a bad mood often, but if I ever am, I'll fix it. Mother, my sidearm appears to be rusty. (laughs) All right. Philadelphia Mark Brady's not enjoying this, our executive producer. Mark Brady's loving this. Eagles Eagles and Buccaneers. What do we got? Eagles coming out on top (laughs) 26-21. Okay. Even with Ryan Fitzpatrick's big Harvard brain. You know what I love uh, about Brian Ryan Fitzpatrick? You and your Ivy League elites. Oh, gosh. I thought you guys stuck together. You know what? I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Buccaneers fans like can't – a lot of fans can't figure out that the model doesn't like them to win every game. Doesn't mean I'm not a fan. Anyways, Ryan Fitzpatrick, this was his best game ever. It was. He was the third most accurate quarterback for the week. Drew Brees was on top, was number one on top of the list. Joe Flacco was second, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, number three. Because he had the combined impact. Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans were the, were the best wide receiving combo in the league in terms of gaining first downs. I'm telling you, I'm all into drive stuff, and they were super impactful in that. He had a 156.3 quarterback rating. That's ridiculous. It's nearly perfect. But here's the thing. He didn't get pressured. So Philadelphia defense, you know what they do? They pressure, and then they pressure again, and then they pressure even more. And they pressure in the run game, and they pressure. Like, this is just not the same situation they're going to be facing. The Saints defense was not the Saints defense from Weird. the end of the season. It, like the, especially I don't think it will be the defense we see this week. I think we'll, I you'll think, see that I think defense right. get back to normal this week. I, I think you're totally right. So, you know, look, Vernon Hargraves now on, R, on IRs. That's one of the Bucks. You know, it's probably their best defensive back. Brent Grimes didn't play last week. And, 
like like the Saints offense still played really well. They're most accurate, almost seventy three percent completion percentage for allowed to Drew Brees. So. You, you know okay. what I mean? Like, exactly. Hey, so, look, I'm with you. It was a – week one can be weird. And yeah. It just can. And Absolutely. And we'll often see corrections. So, I, I am with you. I, I am comfortable. Buccaneer, whatever nation you call yourself. Uh, I like get Pirates. After Cynthia, I get enjoy after their – I enjoy the ships. I enjoy all of it. I just don't think that the Buccaneers are going to win this weekend. I'm yeah, sorry. That parrot had actually talked during the draft and not I just, I don't know, grabbed the note or <laughs> sat there. Maybe I'd give you some love. But, no, I'm with you. <laughs> Eagles, Eagles big. Is that what you got? Big or no? Yeah, 26-21. That's big. You know what that brings us to? Parents. You hiring people. There are job sites out there. There are uh, a ton of the wrong resumes to sort through. Uh, you waste your time. We all know time is money. And that is not smart. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. We figure if you're listening to this podcast, you are a big-brained individual or aspire to be a big-brained individual. That means you may be the one doing the hiring. Use ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory to hire the right person. They don't depend on candidates finding you. They find them for you. It is powerful matching technology that scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, experience for your job, and that will actively invite them to apply to your job. So they they find the job they're looking for. You find the candidate you're looking for, and it happens fast. ZipRecruiter is rated number one, much like the Game Theory and Money podcast when it comes to predictive analytics. Number one by employers in the United States. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter. Try it for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. So far, no disagreements. If None time whatsoever. is money and you are money, are you time? Oh, now that's a great question. I and think... one that will be answered next week <laughs> on the Game Theory and Money Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I feel like father time right about now. Um, Panthers at Falcons. Uh, again, another one that could be impacted perhaps a tiny bit. Thankfully, it's at Atlanta uh, and not the Carolinas, which is where Hurricane Florence is supposed to make its biggest Yes. Impact. And, and my parents. Thankfully, I mean, for the football game, not uh, we don't want right. Florence to be in. No. You know what I'm saying. My parents are there, so please leave. That's if you're, right. If they you're live still. in the Carolinas. Yes, I'm very worried. So please, I'm like sending lots of happy thoughts and like wind shifting out back into the water thoughts. So yes, please be careful. Anyways, now my PSA is over and I have the Panthers, unfortunately, not making things better. I have Atlanta coming out on top 24-20. And 61.4% of the simulations, Atlanta That's wins. That's a big number. It is. Three big injuries really impact this. One for Carolina is obviously Greg Olson, the tight end. And then the two for the Falcons. Keanu Neal, safety, you know, they play that swarm defense. Think about it like this. Like sometimes when I close my eyes, it's like he's like Cam Chancellor. That's, you know, that's how you got to think about him from Seattle when you have that in your head. And then you have their middle linebacker, Deion Jones. Their replacements of Ricardo Allen and Duke Riley, that's – a, a, that's a it, it projects to be not as efficient as if the starters were playing Keanu Neal and Deion Jones by a decent margin. So that's going to be different. We're going to have to see how they kind of reconfigure their swarm-like defense. So I do think that Cam will be able to get, you know, RPOs, use RPOs, and he's going to, like, take advantage of the situation presented for him, especially in Norv, Norv Turner's offenses. I mean, 30, he's like something like 39.8 rush yards in 109 starts in regular games, and he has 51.5 in games versus Atlanta. So he's a more of a rusher against Atlanta in general, and then he's going to really be able to take advantage of no Keanu Neal and no Deion Jones probably in this one even more. So that's an interesting one. On the other side of the ball, I saw that Matt Ryan red zone turnover, and my model hates red zone turnovers. It hates it more than anything. So it was interesting because I think that this is the game to establish like the short, the run, short pass game because I think ultimately some of the other stuff didn't work and they got to kind of get back to the basics. That's Sark's, you know, kind of the way he's done it when we've seen him over the past two seasons. So for me, Atlanta gets the advantage in that one. Yeah, I mean, I a couple things. One, do they have to get into the red zone to score? Can Atlanta just that's, score all their touchdowns right. without getting into the red zone? Because if they can do that, then I'm a little more comfortable picking Atlanta. If they actually have to get into the red zone, it's clear that Steve Sarkeesian does not have, uh, I don't know, whatever. It's almost like old Red Bayou has got his uh, green notebook of trick plays whenever he gets into that <laughs> red, red zone, and uh, it just completely falls apart on him. 
I wish they had I mean, Matt Lafleur back, right? I'd like to see yeah, Matt I mean, Lafleur play with that. You, you mentioned Keanu Neal. Uh, I, I love, love the way Keanu they use Neal. Deion Jones. Super athletic, fly mm-hmm. all over the place. Deion Dale Jones is really good. Linebacker. He's so underrated. Yeah. People don't talk about so, him. He's good. But then you got Greg Olson out. And, oh boy, yeah. that's a tough I mean, one. I guess look, I'll just do the old. Uh, hey, it's at home. It's in Atlanta. So again, as much as I'd like to disagree with you, so we could have something here. Oh, uh, we'll have some. I'm I could sure. Go over three again. No, <laughs> I am. Uh, I am still with you. <laughs> to the big showdown and talk about one that hinges on Ugh. a uh, on a starter. Asterix. Vikings asterix. At asterix. It's almost hard to do this until we know because when you hear that it's a sprained knee, uh, it's certainly hard to navigate whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to play. So. Yes, that's exactly right. I put in the model just for the sake. I mean, we have to draw a line this in somewhere, and and we start recording here. The time we start, that's I put forty percent Rogers, forty percent like so. Even if he, that means like we're getting forty percent of his capacity if his capacity is a hundred percent, right? So I have Minnesota coming out on top, twenty four, twenty three. This is not the most certain one in my model. In fact, this is one of the most uncertain. This is something that on Sunday is going to potentially switch. If Aaron Rodgers comes out and he looks great, I mean, I don't know what looks great in, in practice means before, but if we're hearing good things and he starts practicing on Friday and sat, you know, and on Saturday we don't hear anything else, then you know, you're going to have to keep the beat writers. got to like see who your favorite beat writers are and see if they're able to keep you up to date on that one since we won't be there. Um, this game, though, could actually – maybe be the whole key to the NFC in terms of all of the playoff pictures because everything in the playoffs is so bunched up in the NFC that one game swings things dramatically. Like the Saints really did some damage losing to the Bucks. They weren't supposed to lose that game, right? So one game can, can swing things big time. So this Vikings-Packers early season game could be one of those things. One fun thing to note, and this kind of not predictive at all, but it is fun to tell your friends. The Packers are 9 at home and 9 and 0 at home in September since 2013, and they averaged 30.1 points per game in their home games in those wins, which is pretty cool. Those usually aren't against the, this defense, a Minnesota defense that's I mean, crazy Stacked. good all around. I mean, what what am I going to say? I love Harrison Smith and his interception. But I want you know what? I'm going to talk about Sheldon Richardson. I've already given Daniil Hunter enough shine, so we're going Sheldon Richardson this time. In the pass and the rush, he's been incredibly effective, and he was added in the offseason. So really, that's kind of my that's my shine for him on that one. So I don't think they're going to score 30.1 points, meaning they being the Packers. But I do think that if Aaron Rodgers plays, it would swing it to Green Bay win, but it, it'd be a similar score, like 24-23. Close I mean, look one. At, and, and again, Khalil Mack is a former defensive player of the year. Um, you look at what he did to Brian Bulaga and the duress that Aaron Rodgers was under all night long. And uh, I'm not saying that whichever side they decide to put Everson Griffin or Daniil Hunter on uh, are a Khalil Mack, but when you combine them with Sheldon Richardson you know and Linval Joseph – that is a whole lot to do. And then you got Anthony Barr and Eric Kendra. And you, it's just every yep, level of every the defense. Level. It, they come in waves. And look, if that wasn't a team wearing Bears uniforms across from Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he has that comeback. He has right. just got some sort of juju, Jedi mind yep. trick over that team where he is able to come out with the most ridiculous come from behind He's not going to do it. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he's so not I, And I guess, though, I should have phrased it differently when we started this. Look, if Aaron isn't playing, guess what? It's a lopsided victory in yes. favor of Correct. the Vikings. If he does play, you're probably still leaning Vikings because of I am. How I don't good think he's 100%. I just don't yeah. and I also don't think he's 100%. That defense is ridiculous and it's one of, and you know better than most since you cover the Chargers, the difference between having a pass rusher on one side that's dominant versus a pass rusher on both sides and then oh by the way the linebacking core is great and then uh, oh by the way the secondary like is great. Barr, can rush yeah, when you have yeah, when you have more than one level it just totally changes the ability for a quarterback to operate and that would be ama- like I don't even think Rodgers will be a 100% if he does play, but I do think that it gives the Packers the a little bit of an edge there if he's playing. Obviously. This is just the last caveat, and it's not even a caveat. I'll call it an addendum. The addendum to your analysis for me is this. If you go through, and one of the reasons why Washington never wanted to pay Kirk Cousins is they said he could not win the big games. He was bad in primetime. He hated he red. He loved red zone touch. In, yeah, t- high-impact games. And this is the big one. You just said it. This kind of is the game that you circle, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, that very well could determine these two games between these two teams the NFC North. Mm-hmm. And if Kirk Cousins, again, is erratic, 
is not up for it, whatever you want to call it, intestinal fortitude, uh, if he does not show up, I think that's a huge concern for a Vikings team that made the NFC Championship last year and was hoping this was the guy that was going to put them over the hump. I think that's something you would have to take into consideration that followed him to Minnesota from Washington, D.C. Absolutely. I'm with you. Browns at Saints. Okay, what do you so, got? Dear Saints, don't do this to me again. My model likes you to win 31-21, and you have a 76.9%. So that's number four in the model. If Or number that's three, number sorry. Four? It's number you three. three it's number three. Than that? No, no, it's three. Sorry. It's three. Okay. There's only two more higher than that. But oh, We already did one of them, the Chargers one. We did. Yep. Chargers are two. So we still got number one left. It's a big oh, reveal for later. Who could it be? But All right, look. The Saints defense versus Tampa Bay that was crazy. It drove up the offense, and you know what? The offense stood up to the challenge. They almost won. It was 40 to 48. It wasn't like they got, you know, they, it, it looked more dominating than that, but at the end of the day, Drew Brees still did what Drew Brees does, which is be accurate on every level. Kamara, Michael Thomas, both were top five impact players at their positions. And honestly, I think Drew Brees just is helping me make the case because I said preseason that he'd be my MVP. So I think that that's just ultimately, you know, stacking some of his stat line for me to do that, right? So. <laughs> See, that's one thing. If you're going to lose, at least lose with grace and with dominating yes. stats, so you can still be my MVP. So you I can still be my you. MVP. I'm with that 100%. And here's the difference. I went back and watched all of the snaps that New Orleans defense played, and I, I tracked everything that I tracked. Last year, New Orleans defense was number two in turnovers. Only Jacksonville was better, and they're and part of that is because of the pressure their defensive front was able to get. They netted the season with something like an average pressure rate overall. But remember, they got dominated that first game against Minnesota. They didn't have a great second game, and then they got better through the season. But I think – I don't know what happened this past game, but we're moving on. We're moving forward from that, and I think that the pressures come back, meaning the potential for turnovers returns. And I don't know who Cleveland is necessarily, but I do know one thing. When you don't capitalize on turnovers, then you're going to have a hard time winning for the rest of the season. And I know that there was a lot of mayhem in that game from you know weather to whatever, and a lot of – like they thought maybe Bell, and then now it's – they had a lot of switches in that game, and they did end up tying – but when you see things like Miles Garrett being Oof, moved uh. to match up against a guard to be effective at late in that game, like that's a that's risky sign for me, right? Like that's like uh oh, when you got the Saints coming and the Saints are mad for losing to the Bucks. I, my model doesn't know anything about mad, but when the Saints are still as balanced as they could be, doesn't account for behavioral tendencies. But when that happens, then you know it's you're gonna I'm, you're gonna stick with the model. Stick with hashtag trust the process. I hate it's, that, uh, but whatever. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's hashtag trust the process. It's interesting. <laughs> um, I for I was watching quite a bit of that game in our booth uh, going into our game against the Chiefs. Uh, one, you know, when we have the conversation about, you know, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, J.J. Watt, whoever you like, Melvin Ingram, whoever you like is your number one pass rusher. Miles Garrett may be that guy by the end of this year. He is that impressive. The The man is freaking Gumby. The way he bends, the way he got a round corner, the power with which he hits, the length of his arms to tip passes. You mentioned when they were pushing him inside. It was interesting. That is something Bob Sutton was doing with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. On third downs, he was bringing his rush backers to go up against the guards and pushing his bigs outside. Williams and Jones were going out. He was putting D Ford in. And when you have someone who's that athletic and still that big, and you can now put them in against the, the guards and just destroy them athletically, God help the rest of the NFL mm -hmm. if, if they get anything, any semblance of a player across from him. Because that guy, I mean, it, it really was something to behold. If not saying you need to go out and watch a bunch of uh, Browns games, but – Man, do yourself a favor. Get the NFL Game Pass mm -hmm. and and go watch it on the All-22 coaches tape. And it is impressive to see the way that guy freaking moves. I guess my point is, is if you have that kind of strategy going and you're able to do that and you're able to kind of like have all these different pieces and you still don't win after being plus five in turnovers, then you got a problem. That that's what I'm saying. We don't know what we have here. We we don't know. Plus five in turnovers. You know, everyone knows that stat. Blah blah blah. Nobody loses if they're plus five in turnovers. Oh it's god, that was so great. I saw Bill Barnwell tweet that out. It's like teams when they are plus five in turnovers are one was like one forty one yeah. four and one. Right. Two of the losses in the tie belong to the Browns. I know. I know. It's fantastic. It's just crazy. So, but like, I, I will say like, that's something to watch. I liked watching them move my, I don't know. I liked, I liked watching what they had going on. The problem yeah. is they couldn't seal the deal and like figure it out. You know what I mean? So that gave me some hesitation, but I'm not going to say, I don't know who they are yet. We don't know. Cause that, that game yeah, was a mess. So, all right, let's go. Uh, Dolphins, Jets, Dear AFC East showdown. Who 
can gain second place in the East? Will it be the Jets or will it be the Dolphins? Because it sure as heck ain't going to be the Bills. <laughs> That's assuming that second place would assume that the Patriots win again, right? I am assuming that, yes. Yeah, okay. You are right. So Dolphins and Jets for me, both the one and one and one, all three – Triple tie at the top of the AFC East. I have Miami coming out on top, 23-21. Yep, you heard me, Miami. Model isn't really sure about this, but in 50.7% of the simulations, Miami wins. I was right um, about Miami uh, last year. Yeah, it was, again, so hard to figure out what to take away from that Miami Titan, you know, the, the Dolphins-Titans mm-hmm. game, just because it's, you know, you get two-hour delays. and I saw a first and 20 that they handed it off to Frank Gore, and he got the first down. Like, yeah. it was a crazy game. <laughs> it was. Um <laughs> The one thing I will say is certainly Sam Darnold was impressive, I mean, to say the least, to be able to shake off your first pass, which was a brutal pick six, mm-hmm. and still come back and help guide an offense to however many – I'm trying to think of how many points they scored on defense, if it was seven or t- – anyway. Uh, a 41-point output that you were partially responsible – or I should say dramatically responsible for uh, was impressive. And Absolutely. And great things about him coming out, and he does have weapons around him. Yeah, so Bilal Powell looked really good and broke Isaiah a lot Crowell. of tackles. Isaiah Crowell looks really good and broke a lot of tackles. He had the better stat line for the night, but both of them were impactful. But I'm going to tell you that the Jets receivers, they, they were getting no – first of all, there was no pressure on Sam Darnold. The The Lions were unable to pressure them, and that O-line is something that I do believe can be pressured, a line – based on what we've seen and the pushback and that everything indication in the model about when people could be pressured, they've got all of them, but the Lions didn't do it. Ziggy Ansah did leave with an injury and the secondary was pretty depleted in terms of in and out of the game injuries, but his receivers were wide open. And when you have wide open receivers, it's a lot easier to connect with them or you don't get penalized with turnovers if you don't connect with them. Right. So that's the first thing. And obviously Darnold looks great. Like I think he is the future, but you remember He's not going to start off. I mean, I know like we all want him to be great. I like I like the Jets too. I'm not anti-Jets, but I I just think what you've got to look at in this is these two teams have a lot of history playing each other. The Jets and the Lions rarely play each other, and maybe the Jets did know what the Lions were doing. I don't know exactly how to do that, but I do think pressure will be different in this game. Robert Quinn looked really good last game in terms of getting pressure. I know he's older, comes over from from the Rams to the Dolphins defense. Cam yeah, Wake. Ten and a half sacks a couple years ago. I mean, he's, he's, good. he's a yeah. good rush end. And you know, both teams have excellent safeties. I love young safety, so Jamal Adams and Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm going to really like to see like who, which which of these two like really show out. So I really like that. I, th- I really like the, the matchup of, you know, the pressure being the difference maker in this one and that pressure if the Dolphins can't run they won't be able to win the game and if if the Dolphins can pressure then they will be able to overcome Sam Darnold that's kind of the story yeah it's hard for me to figure out the Jets I mean look the idea that a a rookie quarterback can navigate that division uh to a second place finish is not likely but then you think about what Mark Sanchez was able to do and made two AFC McCown last year was one was great he was super accurate like there's no reason to, to doubt just because they do have not just a, a good player, but they have a dominant player on the line in Leonard Williams and a dominant player in the secondary in Jamal Absolutely. Adams. Not Leonard sure Williams is about really Demario Davis yet, but but he looks pretty darn good in, in the middle of that of that defense. So um, it's it'll be an interesting game to kind of figure out, like you mm-hmm. said, if in fact the Jets you know weren't hiding anything when they said, yeah, we knew what all the the signals were and we were able to uh, figure out what the Lions were doing before they even knew. Well, I mean, listen, when doing, you never run the ball, worth. that's kind of easier to figure out. So, right, just, just and not tomorrow, Davis, Darren Lee, is who I'm thinking of. Uh, I know who you're talking about. That pick we're good. Yeah, exactly. Darnell Ohio State. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm going to take the Dolphins, and I'll I'll ask. <laughs> I thought I you were for sure going to take the Jets. Okay, okay, nah. all right. Nah, not at all. I'm still <laughs> with you. I'm still with you on the Dolphins. We'll. Uh, it's just it's hard to figure out, you know, what the Jets are offensively when the Lions just looked so bad. And I guess I have a little bit of faith in the Dolphins, even though for whatever reason it's the team that I typically just don't like all that much. And I don't know why. Uh, maybe just because they're just kind of blah. You know, there's really nothing too si- – there's not a lot of sizzle there. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, I Would you I agree do... with that? There's just not – you know, there's the, – I'm with you. Me, it's, yeah. a, it's like – it's kind of like – I mean, Frank Gore is like, you know, on my fantasy team I think like 10 years ago. You know, it's it's kind of – <laughs> right. So it's it's one of those teams where it doesn't seem like that. But I will say the coach has been getting some great sound bites in. Like he, he's a good – Coach Let's Gase go is some good – he's got some good sound bites. So maybe he's spicing it up single-handedly. Well, fine. Whatever. I can push back. <laughs> Todd Bowles had some good stoic – Listen, Todd Bowles looks. was on this podcast, so we love Todd Bowles. There you go. 
<laughs> All right, to the late games. Uh, but before we get to the late games, very important to understand when it comes to the Game Theory and Money podcast, we want you to learn how to go from good to great to unstoppable and maximize your potential. Self-help. It's what we're all about. If you're into that, invest in yourself. We want you to know about something called Relentless MV. It is uh, a unique event, and it's in Martha's Vineyard, for goodness sakes. Who doesn't want to go to Martha's Vineyard? September 28th to 30th. Uh, Elite performers. David Goggin's going to be there. Tim Grover, trainer to the basketball superstars. And the Iron Cowboy. That's right. Speaker's going to share their tips, their tricks, experiences, help you become unstoppable. We're talking about Navy SEALs, self-made millionaires that know the path to greatness. The event being held at Lambert's Cove Inn, a gorgeous restored farmhouse from the 1700s. You get history in all of this as well. Where is it? <laughs> Nestled in the woods. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And remember, it's a great investment in your future. Both weekend and day passes are available. And right now, because you listen to this podcast, you're going to get a great deal. Use the promo code GAMETHEORY and you will get 500 bucks off. Again, that is promo code Game Theory, five hundred bucks off. RelentlessMV.com. Only a few tickets available, so get on it right away. RelentlessMV.com. Promo code Game Theory. All right, Cynthia. You know what's near? You know what's near Martha's Vineyard? Uh, the Charles River. You know, hockey. <laughs> where I get a sixer. I sit out and I reflect about my life. <laughs> Besides that, Gillette Stadium, That's Tommy. Right. And you know ball. what? You know. Who usually plays at Gillette? The Pats. The Patriots, but they're not. No, no, I know they're at away, but I was trying to get there. You know, from Martha's Vineyard. It's a too. Great job. You know, it's, it's not a great good job. And I hate Foxborough, <laughs> by the way. Oh. <laughs> it, you know what though? It is. It is brilliant, and I do believe they did it intentionally. They that stadium is there because it is a miserable commute for visiting teams. You either have to stay in Boston, you stay in Providence. Either way, you're an hour out. There are these tight, winding roads that take forever to get your buses through. Well, everything in with, Boston's like that, right? Exactly. Like someone scribbled going, and they're like, this is the city planning. Exactly. Ah, it's old. It's the old world. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Wicked pisser. Welcome. <laughs> uh, good eye. Don't, don't, don't let the dog Pat's hit the ass are gonna out, hit, huh? fan, Pat's fans are going to be mad at me at this one. There you go. All okay. right, what do we got? I have Jacksonville winning 24-23. Yep. Oh, good. I disagree with you on this took one. The, took the wind out of everyone's sails there because I do love Boston. I love that part of the country, and I, I'm a Pats fan. What's um, your uh, confidence level on this one? 51.5%. Okay. So 50-50. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. And so, a one point. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to have more offense than maybe when you close your eyes you think of because you think Blake Bortles, whatever you think of. I think more offense. Anytime you hear the Jacksonville defense, people think no offense. I think there's going to be more than 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 I at least initially thought. Um, it's interesting for me, the Jags. Hmm. Okay, so when you look at the Jags defense and their ability to pressure, this is where we're going to see that impact from losing Isaiah Wynn. I talked about it last week. And we're going to see the Nate solder effect so let's see how their all line really looks this game because that pressure is going to be coming relentless. from every it's going to be relentless speaking of relentless mv. speaking of relentless relentless now the injury report here is interesting i do have the fournette injury you know asterisks here so pick up tj eldon if you don't have him already um the thing that doesn't get enough love when you talk about the Jags, I don't think, is their O-line. Cam Robinson, zero I'm pressure. So th- their O-line's good. Like, that's a really huge – like, if you have a, a nasty defense and a sick O-line and you can run the ball, you're going to win football games. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. This is going to be super important. This, honestly, it's going to be pressure in the trenches that decides this one because Trey Flowers, who's in a contract year, last game – against the Texans O-line, which, by the way, they're number 31 ranked. They're, they're leaky. Leaky. He had one hit, four hurries, and two sacks. That means seven total pressures in one game. That's a lot. So, And that's just one side. So, honestly, for me in this one, it's going to be battle in the trenches. Who's going to win at that the, the quarterback pressure situation? And I and the the edge here goes slightly, one point slightly, 1.5% slightly to Jacksonville. By the way, whenever I say leaky, you know what I think of? What? The Leaky Foundation. Look it up, kids. <laughs> Learn a little something, huh? I really do. It's one of my favorite. Uh, I think Suzanne Leaky was her name. The, the one thing I'll say about Jacksonville, and one of the reasons why the Chargers uh, had such a dominant effort defensively against them. Remember, they forced Blake Bortles into those two interceptions mm-hmm. late. They should have won that game. Were they should have won that game, punch, for sure. A fumble, 
uh, and everything that I feel went like the wrong. Chargers have bad luck. We need to like uh, sage that place. Yeah, but it's because the right side of that line mm-hmm. is leaky. The left side, solid. Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, even Brandon Linder, solid at the center position. But when you had Bosa and Ingram, they were able to wreck Blake Bortles and get him off his spots. There are so few teams that have that luxury. So mm-hmm. unless you do, they're able to run right at you with Leonard Fournette and that strength on the interior of that line. Uh, and Bortles has been solid, you know, in terms of taking care of the football unless he finds himself in that predicament. And I don't necessarily know if the Patriots are capable of putting him in that predicament. Um, the one thing, the reason why I take the, the Patriots is it sounds like Leonard Fournette isn't 100%. Um, and if he's not 100%, then I'm not 100% in on the Jags. I think mm-hmm. he is just central to their success or failure. I don't think TJ Yeldon can fill in for him for a full game just because you have to honor him. Because if you right. don't commit to the box, he's going to blow up one or two tacklers. You need to get three three sets of arms around that guy to bring him down by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. He's one of those backs that really does get stronger as the game goes mm-hmm. along. And that's kind of where I put the difference in here. So I'll go with the, hey, we got our first disagreement. I'll take the facts. Perfect. Um, and by the way, asterisks on this one on Sunday, it could switch. But I will say, if you do like football and you do like talking about Jalen Ramsey versus um, versus Rob Gronkowski, I wrote a really big article that essentially looked into Gronk versus corners as opposed to Gronk versus safeties and linebackers. And I think you'll like what I, this, this is a tease. You have to go to my Twitter and read it because I've spent a lot of time, a lot of computer vision, and it all has to do with man versus zone coverage. And it all has to do with Gronk not being when when here's the the short version is when Gronk is covered by corners he's not usually Tom Brady's first option so he's not the the, the best option necessarily what that play was intended to do so therefore the stats are going to look worse against corners because he is getting it in less favorable situations done okay but go read the whole right. article because it's a good article actually I'm good. proud of that one do that we got another one we got to send you to by the way that you're going to be doing on game day mm-hmm. with uh, Giants and Cowboys but that's mm-hmm. in a minute let's go Lions and 49ers first two teams zero and one that I wouldn't say a lot, but enough folks had as sleeper teams to make the playoffs in the NFC this year. I didn't have either of them as sleeper teams to make the playoffs. You didn't? No. With, when Jarek McKinnon went down, the 49ers lost their okay. the win in the sales, and the Lions were out of it for me. You weren't buying the Jimmy G. No. I like Jimmy G. He's a great quarterback. Absolutely. They're a couple years away, even with Eric Armstead looking nasty like he did last week. Yeah, but I, I – all right, so asterisks here because there's a, um, defensive injuries for the Lions. Ziggy Ansah in particular that could make a big difference in this one. But as it stands right now in the Ziggy Ansah-less Lions, I have San Francisco coming out on top 26-21. That's in 56.6% of my model. However, I don't – if it's if Ziggy Ansah plays, I do think that that will shift. It will shift in favor closer, if not all the way to the Lions. But I do want to say not all interceptions are created equally. Matthew Stafford is usually a top contender each week for quarterback accuracy, that three feet or less target thing I've been measuring, and except in the, against the Jets. Those interceptions were his fault. They weren't unlucky. Unlucky interceptions, you and I see it all the time. A ricochet, something weird happens, someone sure. gets funny, whatever. Those weren't unlucky. Those were his fault. Maybe they do his angles. Maybe they didn't. Whatever. Either way, it, they, were his, they were on him. So this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Bob Cooter – gets carry on Johnson involved, especially with Reuben Foster not playing carry on Johnson can break tackles. They had a lot of plays with him in the preseason. It seems like something like they were trying to work in with a little bit of time, but they don't have that time or the luxury of that time anymore, especially because Eric Armstead did look so good and they don't need Matthew Stafford to get crushed anymore. So I think carry on Johnson could have a little bit of a breakout here. I'm uh, going to the game log. Yeah. Here's, this is a thing about Garoppolo that I think is regularly overlooked. And you mentioned not, not all that interceptions are created deep equal. At, right, that he doesn't throw deep and outside the numbers? He throws a lot of picks. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo throws a lot of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last season, he threw in those, what, one, five two, three, wins. four, five, six games he, he played? Mm-hmm. He threw five picks. He threw three picks against the Vikings. If you go to the preseason, he was throwing picks in every game this preseason. So... I get that he's accurate, and I love the way he fits in that offense, that, you know, just single read, play action, Mm -hmm. plant your foot, bang. But, man, he has got to clean that up if they expect to take that next step, and and he's worth that $130 bucks they gave him because we know what the – I mean, heck, you know better than anybody what the stats say. If you're a quarterback that throws picks, you just can't do that. And, man, has he shown a proclivity to do that so far early in his career. Without Jarek McKinnon, too, and the way Kyle Shanahan offenses is usually run, it's good. filling in for him is going to be tricky because of that pass catching. Those short passes are a really big deal. And really the Niners' biggest problem in their first game was their O-line. They're, they weren't able to establish a run game. And all three of the interceptions that you talked about, 
that he threw in last game in the last game, those were all when he was under actual pressure, not like kind of fake pressure where someone's right, sort of bad coming. decisions. Bad decision under pressure, and part of that the O line needs to to be better for him. Yeah, and Sorry. Mike McGlinchey, who was their number one pick, who was celebrated as an All American out of Notre Dame, did not look great in the preseason. Did not look like great in that game. Granted, it was against the Vikings, arguably right. the best pass rush right. you're going to see. All year, unless Bosa's back in time uh, in three weeks from now. But um, that's you're absolutely right. Uh, he was under duress. You know Lakin Tomlinson from his time in Detroit, a first-round pick, did not perform like that at all. Uh, I mean, outside of Joe Staley, they kind of downgraded Lake and a little Tomlinson. bit with Weston Ritzburg there. Yeah, and if the so, Lions can keep it close, Lakin Tomlinson has a very bad end-of-game like erosion like in the fourth quarter all of his pressures come at the end of game I don't I'm, I'm not sure why I can't I can't say why but and he was a lion and it seemed like in this game too he he fourth quarter is not his quarter which is taking interesting the lions. you're picking the Doing lions it. I'm Do taking it. the lions I've talked myself into it listen it's it's been a very stressful week for me that was a horrible game as a fan cardinals <laughs> and rams Shame on me for taking the Cardinals last week. When number one, that's my like alert for the number one strongest pick of the week. 77.9% of the models have the Rams coming out on top. And it's funny because both LA scores are the same, 28-17. <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't know. That's just a, it's very funny. I think it's, it's interesting. It is. Uh, Math likes 28 points in Los Angeles. Figure that one out. <laughs> Dear Aaron Donald, welcome to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough for them, especially. Sue was great versus the run. I have to give him some love there in that three technique. Um, then, and But I will say the Cardinals' low line was better in the run than the scores indicate. On running downs, they didn't get pushed okay. back as much. That's a positive thing, especially because, you know, DJ is a big fantasy asset for most people. He had to have less volume than 2016 when we saw him play 84% of snaps. He was down to 68%. That's interesting, an uptick for Chase Edmonds, which uh, just something to keep track of there. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, the Rams offense, I, I mean – I think it's interesting that he threw more play action passes than any quarterback in week one. He threw 16 of them, one touchdown, zero interceptions on such. But I thought that was interesting. I don't know. I, I like to track what they're doing differently, you know, play action. Interesting. So for me, it's, you know, Gurley and DJ in this one. And you could potentially look for golf if you really needed a quarterback. Um, I mean, I don't think we need to go too deep. On this, I was nope. kind of excited about that offensive line uh, that they invested a lot in in this offseason. I really like their coach. I want Coach Wilkes to do well. Yes, Coach Wilkes. But, I mean, they what do they spend, $60 million bucks on Justin yeah. Pugh? They've got all first-rounders up there. Pugh. DJ Humphreys, first-rounder. Upati, former first-rounder. Justin Pugh, former first-rounder. Andre Smith, former first-rounder. And, man, they just got abused mm -hmm. by Washington. So By the way, Washington the is also good. So yeah, I don't – like Washington's better than, than people – Washington's not underrated. So I th they'll be better than it looks. It's just right, maybe let's not go against Raiders, the Rams. Raiders, Broncos, <laughs> and AFC – from an NFC West to an AFC West clash. Raiders, Broncos. Okay, Denver 24-21. That's closer <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. I, would, I would take a little bit more of a uh, Broncos over the Raiders. Why, is it because Vaughn Miller had three sacks last week and he looked amazing? I think I just I, – I look at I look at Colton Miller and Donald Penn and what they did last week uh, when asked to step up because Aaron Donald and, and Ndamukong Sue were dominating what is the strength of their O-line, and they couldn't. It was one holding penalty after a false start after a, oh, watch this guy just blow right by me and destroyed Derek Carr. Um, mm -hmm. And when you bring in Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, man, I think that's just a recipe for disaster for the Raiders. The the thing that I wanted, that I thought was interesting is in the first half of that Raiders game, they were, like, ready. Like, they looked a lot better than I anticipated on defense. I mean, the offense, I told you, there's going to be more offensive diversity just because play calling, different people play calling with different philosophies. So we did see a lot more offensive diversity. I do have a theory there, though. What's your theory? My theory is that that is Sean McVay not playing any of his offensive starters the entire preseason and it taking a half for them to shake off that rust Okay. before they kind of remembered, oh, yeah, this is how we play football in a game against other teams and pads that are hitting us hard uh, because we Fair. have not done that since last year. Yeah. And then you saw that second half when they did get comfortable and just wrecked them. I, I, I'm not disagreeing it's with you theory. on that, but I do think that – Denver's O-line is an area that the defense and Paul Gunther can scheme to Paul Gunther. I thought he did. I thought he did a great job of figuring out he he's not working with what I would imagine he thought he was going to be working with. I think he went the whole preseason thinking he'd have Khalil Mack. I think they all like I don't think they thought, oh, yeah, you know, you. so they, they are not good personnel wise defensively. And, and I thought right. and I thought they showed a lot more 
than I thought. You know, like I was expecting it to be, I was expecting their secondary to just get torched like from the jump. And I, I thought they looked, they came out really strong. Um, so for me, that's really the, the reason that drives those points is because the Broncos, I do think the Raiders defense will get the Broncos or give the Broncos O-line enough of a problem to, you know, get more advantageous field position, starting position. And that's why I think we see some touchdowns. Yeah, Case, I mean, he threw three picks. Can't do that. Um, it's not why they paid you all that money. Uh, you got to take care of the football with that defense in mm -hmm. particular. Royce Freeman was not that impressive. I mean, heck, Philip Lindsay was the guy that ended up doing that most of the damage for him. The it was The 50% share, and we're like, who, everyone's like, who's Philip you know Lindsay? <laughs> and I credit, you know, Bill Musgrave and Vance Joseph for that. I think that's hey, great. Yeah, this guy is being celebrated, and he's our number one, but we're going with a hot hand. If, if you're rolling, totally. you're going to get the ball. Don't we, we we do not owe Royce Freeman anything, and Philip Lindsay was the guy that was getting it done, so he's the guy that's going to get the carries. The one thing I'll say, just because this is not something you would mention because it's the furthest thing away from math <laughs> as, as there is and really – I shouldn't even say it because whatever. It's no, I like it. Subjective. Say it. Go. When you have John Gruden out there kind of to some degree trashing Khalil Mack and you have that defense not happy about that and tweeting out, you know, things that basically saying, hey, we don't appreciate that. We all love Mack here and we wish him the best. Uh, when you have him celebrating Derek Carr and then today, and we're doing this, uh, I think, whatever, midweek, saying that Derek Carr missed some downfield passes and he's got to be better. That's not the way you do that. That's just not the way you navigate a week one, you know, when a lot of people are coming after your team as a whole and as the organization as a whole. You just take full responsibility, you celebrate the players, and you move on to the next week knowing that the Rams, from a personnel standpoint, outclassed you and you try to salvage your season. Man, it seemed like he was doing a lot of finger-pointing in the media this week. Maybe John needs some analytics. Maybe he just Maybe needs he to subscribe to this podcast so that he can. That's a great call. And, hey, that's what you get for showing real-to-real <laughs> -real projector films yeah, from the that's 1960s, what you... <laughs> huh? How about some predictive <laughs> analytics there? Right, pal? That's why I don't like him. You're absolutely right. Why is he so tan? He needs some sunblock. Florida, man. Those people are leathery down there. <laughs> <laughs> we disagree on this one. I take the Broncos. I take them big. Wait, I took the Giants Broncos. Oh, wait, wait, I took the Broncos. You just take them big. I took Broncos. I took them big. 24-21. Okay, you take yeah, it you're bigger. you're saying tight. I just, when, look, we both have the Broncos. I just, you Got said it. Okay, I just wanted I to make sure you weren't trying to accuse me of taking the Raiders. No, 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 no. I'm taking the Broncos big in this one. Got uh, it. Giants-Cowboys, this is the one you're going to be previewing, correct? Absolutely. On, uh, all right, but you get a little preview of it right now, right here, Sunday Night it. Football. New York Giants go into Dallas and win 24-21. Higher scoring game than I think most people think, because probably because the Cowboys didn't convert a third down till the second half, just, you know, that's That'll not a way to make some points. That's probably why people don't think there's going to be as many points. The cool thing about this game is the Cowboys defense did have 14 pressures in game one versus Carolina, and the Giants O-line is suspect. They did allow 19 pressures versus the Jag. But the cool thing here, OBJ has been in the slot more, like double his usage in the slot. So that actually starts taking away some of that lopsided, one-sided pressure. Just the Cowboys pressures aren't coming from everywhere. They're coming from that one side. It's called Demarcus Lawrence side, whichever, wherever he is, that's where the pressures come from. And because they don't, because it's lopsided, you're going to see Saquon get going in the run game better. You're going to see Saquon get going in the short passing game better. And you're going to see OBJ moving all around in the slot. That makes a huge difference because he commands the attention of anyone around him. And I think the Giants, or the, sorry, the Cowboys defense, although they're maybe the strength of this team, they're not as strong as the Jags defense by a long shot. Yes? You with me? You know what I'm with? What? And I knew I knew there was a reason why it popped into my head. Why? Watching Dak throw the football against the Panthers reminded me of watching Steve Walsh throw the ball when he was with the Bears, routinely throwing dirt balls to his receivers because he didn't have the arm strength to get it downfield as they skipped. Like, literally, would skip <laughs> – Two or three feet in front of his – they had drafted Curtis Conway as their number one. Hawthorne High's <laughs> greatest football player ever to be this downfield receiver. And Dave Wanstad put Steve Walsh at quarterback who can't throw the ball 15 yards down the field. I was I was floored by the lack of arm strength that Dak Prescott possessed, and I don't know what was into that. But it was <laughs> crazy to watch, and it just so happens that he wears the number four like Steve Walsh wore when he was with the Saints or the Bears, and I'm telling you, that guy could not pass the ball more than 15 <laughs> air yards. You like air yards. I love Sorry, air I was a little distracted there. Oh, I love it. You're my favorite I'm, uh, person. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Saquon, the one thing that you saw is, right, we, I, I remember we were looking at the stats, and we were like, oh, boy. 
eight carries for 12 yards, and then boom, 60-yard run. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's really good. Oh, yeah, that's right. 68-yard, <laughs> yeah, ripped it for a 60-yard yeah. throw. Um, do you know who the only team since 2008 to have a higher winner, win percentage on the road than at home is? Higher win percentage on the road than home. Who? The Cowboys. Okay. I didn't know if it was the Giants <laughs> or the Cowboys. I figured it was going to be one of the two. Nope, it's the but Cowboys. I guess it would make sense. Yep, So Cowboys, Cowboys see. Mm-hmm. I got you. I was going to say Giants because they're the ones that are on the road. But no, instead of celebrating a team – I'm you're, uncelebrating uh, them. Down. That's right. Negative. That's right. No, um, I'm just I'm just reinforcing my pick of the Giants. I still think the Giants number six in the playoffs. That's where they are slotted right now. I didn't have them winning that game again. It's funny because I think people thought they were going to beat the Jags, but now I think people think they're going to lose to the Cowboys. Like what? Like how are those two things? How could you have? Well, anyways, I don't I don't get it. I already got the way this story ends. How does before it end? we move on to Let's Seahawks Bears uh, and Monday Night Football, you want to know how it ends? I do. It ends with Tell the me not Cowboys tie. starting out 0-2 and two and offering a first-round pick for Earl Thomas, thinking that that's the panacea to their season. And uh, Seahawks acquire a first-round pick. Earl Thomas finally gets to the Cowboys, and they end up losing three of their next four. And it's just <laughs> a terrible Joey Galloway-like deal. Does Des okay. Bryant come back after going to a Britney – or what was it? I don't remember. It was Britney Spears or some concert with, with um, Jerry Jones last night. And remember, <laughs> you can see all the details, and all, and that's good stuff there, Cynthia. <laughs> and all of Cynthia's uh, analysis, <laughs> an extended breakdown of this game on Sunday game day morning mm-hmm. on NFL Network. Seahawks Bears, the Monday Nighter. Okay, so I have Chicago winning this one, 24-21, in about 57.6% of the simulations. I think Mac has four sacks at least that's a lot four is what comes up in the model which is crazy remember seattle's o-line let vaughn have three i think max like hey i got a little bit more money than you i'm gonna get one more sack than you that's how that works that's the model that model told me that that's the model it it talked to me um obviously no doug baldwin in this one so tyler lockett will disley okay i'm not sure how that continues um going forward but will disley for this one because i think that's a, a decent target against the bears and to be honest with you, Chicago's offense, to me, it's going to be interesting to see how they score. I have a right now I'm looking to see who scores the touchdown. They've got at least one. I think Tariq Cohen sees the end zone this one. I think Jordan Howard as well. And I think we get another Allen Robinson. I think that's I think that's the three. The um, I'm with you. I think the Bears win this one. That O-line for the Seahawks is a mess. The mm-hmm. right side of that O-line mm-hmm. might be. And look, there's a lot of bad old lines in the league, but there that are. right side might be the worst with Jermaine Effetti and DJ Fluker. Um, that's it's brutal. And like you said, when you have uh, Khalil Mack on one side, and you saw what happened when Green Bay tried to shift all the protections to him and throw a tight end on him, it just does not matter. He's that good. And on the other side, you've got Akeem Hicks, uh, and you've got Lenny Floyd. Um, I mean, that is. That's a lot to deal with for an mm-hmm. O-line that was embattled last year, embattled this year. Their number one offensive option outside of Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin's not there. I'm with you. I think it could be even more lopsided than mm-hmm. that. Um, but I'm with you. I got the Bears. All right, for those that stuck around for this whole thing, and why wouldn't you? It's a podcast. Where are you going? <laughs> Hopefully Thursday you are going or... somewhere doing it, right? You can do it on, the, on your way to work. I guess that's on true. Your, on a run, wherever, wherever you are. Yeah, maybe you, you popped out early. I got exactly. you. This one was a little lengthy. I got too wordy again. No, I we love it. I myself. love it. You were making me laugh. It makes me happy. Thursday night are Ravens-Bengals. All right. Ravens come out on top 24-21. Here's some fun, nonsensical, but interesting ones. Cincinnati, seven out of their last nine home games versus Baltimore. They've won. They also knocked them out of the playoffs last season, but that was in Baltimore. Um, Harbaugh, though, on a short week, a Sunday to Thursday, you know, stint of a short week. He's won seven and only lost one of his last eight. Interesting here. All right. The Ravens offense is the key to this one. And I honestly think that, all right, look, we saw a a very lopsided victory in general, the bills there. So they made the Ravens look even better than the Ravens are, but I do think the Ravens offense takes a big step forward. I think that we see a, a look Flacco be more accurate. We saw play action. We saw, RPOs. We saw we saw some things we usually don't see from Joe Flacco. In addition to throwing the ball to a lot of different people, he hit all three of their new wide receiver acquisitions in the offseason: John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Sneed for touchdowns. And that offensive diversity—that's cool. That's a great thing to see. It's a really high projection for success. And even though I think in this game that we have, I think that Collins actually 
becomes a more a, a bigger part of this run game and it becomes more effective and he doesn't run for like zero yards or point two yards or whatever is per carry. I do I think that that's like that's how we see this balance becoming established. So it's going to be like less points because that's a ridiculous score. What they were you know what for they won by forty four points. I don't think we see that kind of margin, especially since Cincinnati's defense is really going to pressure Joe Flacco a lot more. But I do think we see a little bit more balance and I think we see a team that could very very easily get up into the playoffs sneak up into the playoffs easily I'm uh yeah I think I'm with you I, I, the Ravens and it's hard to figure out what they are right based on that game against Buffalo which uh, looks to to likely face some serious challenges this year with the personnel they have mm-hmm. on that team um but the Bengals also look impressive I mean when you pull up their absolutely roster, it's it's pretty darn my good. favorite receiver um, is AJ Green I, I, like, I love that he doesn't say much. I love that you don't hear much. I love that you don't know anything about him. Like, really, like, I just love that he goes out there and he just crushes, like, every single time. I've only seen him do one thing weird, and that was, like, fighting with Jalen Ramsey, whatever. But, like, apart from that, he's, like, in terms of who I like, if I had to like, like, I like watching his style. I like that he's just a quiet leader who just crushes. Yeah, it's hard to argue with. I mean, what's not to like about him? Um, Nothing. Andy's been asked to catch passes from Andy Dalton, who I think has certainly had his stature and paycheck upgraded because he's able to throw to someone like A.J. Green, who's not just mm-hmm. fast, who's not just a good route runner, but can high point balls, wins 50-50 balls. I mean, he's a complete receiver. And, and look, John Ross got a touchdown last week. Maybe he's going to be healthy when you have that kind of speed. I mean, ridiculous speed to take the top off the defense. It can make a lot of things easier underneath for Joe Mixon, who's a great pass catching back, for Tyler Eifert, who looks to be healthy. Uh, right now, you know what? I think I'm talking myself into it. As much as I like the Ravens and I got them to win the division, I think I'm going to take the Bengals. So you like and the... that's exclusively on NFL Network. It is. That Thursday nighter, you can only watch on our NFL Network. So I will take the Bengals, even with John Harbaugh's fancy 7-1 and one record. Uh, you like the 7-9 and nine at home. Thursday, Se- 7 out of games. 9 at home. Seven and two, yeah. whatever you I like this. Today, you're right? that. So I got that stat on my side. Right? The old uh, causation versus correlation. Paul Brown stats. Stadium, you know. <laughs> Exactly, which is why <laughs> Pittsburgh State's John Brown can't have a good game because only one Brown can do well in Paul Brown Stadium. It's going to be Paul, or at least his, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, confidence picks. Let's end it strong, Cynthia, before I peter out here as I'm making no sense whatsoever. Uh, the three. You were three for three last week with your confidence picks. So Let's no pressure. Six what for six. So what do you? What ever. are the three you like best? Giants to win in Dallas. A big win for New Orleans and a lot of points in Colts versus Washington. Now, again, asterisks with the weather there, but a lot of points in Colts and Washington game. Okay. Again, Giants win uh, in Dallas. Saints win big over the Browns, who tied after getting five turnovers against the – plus five, I should say, in the turnover category against the Steelers, and uh, a whole lot of points. You know what? I think we're going to call an audible on that last one just because the weather is something. And I'd like to make sure that I get as close to what I want as possible. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with the other LA team that didn't that you know the one that didn't win last week the one that you wet the one you're wearing actually a polo with a that. logo on it I think a big yeah. win for I'm wearing that a big win for right for <laughs> for the Chargers right, How about that we'll Take it So Chargers big Chargers uh, big uh, Giants upset yep. Saints big Saints big Makes sense I mean they're All two teams picks. that a lot of people think are going to challenge for a division crown yeah. and their own one so back to get the old proverbial back against the wall uh, how big's your back how strict Thank you for listening, downloading, (laughs) streaming, for turning everybody on to this podcast so we can come back for a second year. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Remember, Cynthia Ryden, a three-for-three confidence pick, not to mention 13 wins last week. A heck of a start, a lot better than some of the squads out there that had aspirations to make their way to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. We'll be back again next week. Enjoy all the games. Remember, Thursday Night Football exclusively on NFL Network. Ready to watch it again? Bengals. Where can I watch that and game? You can watch that game on NFL Network. Oh, okay, good, thanks. And only NFL Network. And remember game day morning. Uh, it's an AFC showdown of epic proportions, and Cynthia going to do a deep dive on the Giants v. Cowboys at the Jerry Dome. A uh, big thank you to Shoppy. A uh, big thank you to Sully. A big thank you to Brady. Bill All Smith. All those people with E's at the, at the end of their names. Bill Smithy. Uh, Bill Smith, Smithy, Bill Smithy, <laughs> and uh, to all of you for downloading, streaming, and listening. We'll be back again next week.